have a head for business and a bod for sin. Is there anything wrong with that? It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And very glad once again of a Saturday to be working with our buddy, our producer, the guy who manages to keep us on an even keel. Of course, I'm talking about Nathan Miller, though we prefer to call him Nathan Detroit. Good morning, Gary and Suzanne, and happy weekend to you and getting ready for another happy weekend next week because Seafair is just around the corner and we got the torchlight here, the parade tonight. Nice, nice. That's always a fun time in Seattle. It is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you it's well known C-fair. when it's Seafair, too. <laughs> we see. If you try to book a hotel room during Seafair, I want to wish you the best of luck. Because not only is availability scarce, but given supply and demand economics, oh my God, for a room, it's unbelievable. And don't touch any of the nuts or anything in the freezer because that's all other than complimentary. Let's put it that way. And make sure you get some earplugs too, because those Blue Angels are going to be back in town. And boy, do they create a roar. They do. And one of the biggest sources of complaint about the jet noise comes from churches because mm. they'll be flying over on uh, a Sunday on a Sunday yeah. and they'll interrupt. I've had a minister just about a yearly appointment with the blue angels who would stop in the middle of her talk in order to allow them to pass by and then continue. You just get used to it. Oh yeah. And interrupts those meditations and stuff like that. And you're just, you hear <laughs> when yeah, you're supposed to be quiet. <laughs> it's bad if you're meditating, no doubt about that. <laughs> But isn't that the essence of meditation is that we accept what is, we notice it, and then we go back to our breath. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, always a good way okay. to calm the mind. <laughs> calm the mind. Moving you know, along. We're going to move along because today we have Kelly Sullivan Walden with us, the dream lady, the dream doctor. A-list guest. A-list guest, and she's been with us. Did we even check how many times this is anymore? It's Today is number 27. 27. Oh, my goodness. She is <laughs> inching closer to the coveted 30-appearance golden circle of guests. And then she retires, and we never see her again. Oh, <laughs> no, it. no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let us let me give her a few mad props. I I can't read everything because we don't have time, but let me get her on. (laughs) Kelly Sullivan Walden, also known as Dr. Dream, is an award-winning international best-selling author of 10 books. Her latest is A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, The Art of Transforming the Tragic into Magic. She is a dream expert, certified clinical hypnotherapist, inspirational speaker, workshop facilitator. She holds a doctorate degree in interfaith studies. Her unique approach to dream work led her to consult with thousands of individuals from Fortune 500 executives to celebrities to stay-at-home moms. She is the best-selling author of six Oracle decks. Uh, 
you know, I just, and, and so much more and, and zillions of books, 10 books. And we love her and she's been on 27 times. And we're going to tell you about her website, how to get in touch with her, how to get her books, her cards and all that good stuff. Welcome to Manson Mitchell once more, Kelly. I am I am speechless. I'm just going to do a lot of screaming today. 27. I can't believe it. We, that we is... have a we have a, a bookshelf there that's dedicated to the Kelly books. God, you guys. Every Saturday morning, Gary and I each pull a card from the hero's journey. And Gary's was Afterglow, number 49. And mine was number seven, Time for a Quantum Leap. And wow. every day we read Luminous Humanness. And I have the Awakening Dreamer cards next to where I sit and watch TV so that I can shuffle those and pull a card out there. So you are all over our house, girlfriend. I am. I couldn't be more honored. I I don't want to ever quit and say my work is done, but it could be. When my time comes, <laughs> I will die with a smile on my face because of all of that. Thank you for that deep honor. I need to pay better attention because today in the Oracle deck that we use, and what is the formal name of that? I, hero's, I call it the, the hero's deck. journey. Hero's Dr- journey. That's yeah. right. Dream, I always, hero's I think, journey, dream Oracle. <laughs> There's a dream, dream in there Oracle. at the end. There we go. <laughs> yeah. and, and you were number 49, Afterglow. Afterglow. And I said to Suzanne, did I miss something? But so this this whole idea of Afterglow, it's like, you know, it it works on a couple of levels. <laughs> the idea when you're when you're dreaming, you're in another world. And I guess that takes me to my first question for you, Kelly, which is yeah. do you find it liberating or creative for you to have a dream in which different people from different times in your life, different eras and different places converge in a dream in a way that in the objective waking life would not be possible? Let me give you an example. Yeah, please. I live in Florida, but I will have dreams, and not so often anymore, where I'm looking for my dang car. (laughs) I used to have me a lot. I haven't had those in Mm. recent years, actually. But Mm. I will find myself enjoying an old haunt in Seattle. And in the same night's sleep, I'm not sure it's the same dream. Could be. But I'll have a recollection of being in Seattle And then I'm in Las Vegas, where I lived for Mm. five years. And I don't dream about the place where I am now. Sarasota, Florida doesn't show up for me in any pronounced way in my dreams. But places that I have been, that I habituated Mm -hmm. in the past, along with the people from these different eras, seemingly coalesce around some hidden theme. And I'm like, what's that about? Why am I dealing with that? It's different people, different places, but all at the same time. That's the right. magic of dreaming to me. Yes, it is. It's it is one of the multiple aspects of the magic of dreaming. Um, one function of our dreams is what's called memory consolidation. If you think about all of the many, many experiences we've had in our past and all the places we've been, the people we've met, not all of that is necessarily relevant to what is happening in our lives today. I think our dreams are doing this incredible job of picking 
the parts that are relevant and are valid and deleting the rest. There's a lot that gets deleted, but there's certain people that get amalgamized, certain places get amalgamized and they kind of, it turns into its own archetype, for example, like it might be like, if you look at all of these places, I mean, I normally hear about this with people. It's rare that I hear about it with places, but the principle is still the same. If you think about the through line between these places or these events or these incidences, I bet you there was something they had in common. And that's what our memory is trying to do. I'm mean, think about it like if you've got a, if you've moved into a house and you're, you're trying to organize things, some things you'll just put in a box called discard or all this goes into the kitchen or all of this goes into the basement or all of this. So our brain is trying to do the same thing while we, while we sleep and dream. Thank you for that explanation. It's something that I should work with. I can recall my dad uh, dreaming of what we used to call the house on Freeport Road. It's a it's a road in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, and there's a house there. It might still be standing where my dad grew up. Large family. Mm-hmm. And I asked a psychologist one time. In fact, I think he was a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I asked him one time about my dad has this dream, just like I explained to you, Freeport Road, Pennsylvania, there. And he said, that's what we call a wish fulfillment dream. There are dreams mm. we have that take us to a place that we remember fondly and we wish we were there again as if we could magically bring it back from, from that archive in our memory to the present moment and experience it as a present reality. And I thought, that's a wonderful trick of the mind if it does nothing more than to comfort us in knowing that there are memories we can treasure, and thank goodness if we can remember them, that represent our best life. Mm, So, so true. And I, the wish fulfillment type dream is such an important one. I think it's kind of easier to talk about the nightmares because they're so gripping and seductive and they can take up all the time. But I think it's just as important, if not maybe more so to talk about the wish fulfillment dreams. And those can be related to places and people and situations from our past. And it can also relate to things that haven't happened yet. I would put flying dreams in the wish fulfillment category or winning the lottery or getting a standing ovation or getting a big check or having a you know being a part of a big old party a reunion of some kind and having having there be some kind of a celebratory energy and i think those are special and important it's it's wonderful to hear that somebody relates to their old their previous residence as a wish fulfillment because a lot of people relate to their former residence their childhood home as not the happiest place. So it's good to hear that the that this person put the put that into the wish fulfillment category. But one thing I like to say about those dreams <clears throat> is they are not over just because we wake up. That feeling tone is it still lingers often when we do wake up and it's important I think to meditate on that energy and that feeling. I think it's one of the shortcuts to elevating our energy our consciousness and giving us a sense of hope and and kind of resourcefulness to be able to take on the day kelly there was a very particular place that i wanted to start today and ask Mm. you a question and i believe the question got answered shortly before the show in (laughs) rereading your email so i'm going to ask you the question that i wanted to ask you 
And then I think I already know the answer. Okay. And and that is that the last time you were on was just days before your book came out. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And I think Gary and I were one of the first interviews that you did on the new book. Yep. And at that time, we talked about, or I talked about, you know, the courage that it took to reveal yourself. And there's even a a quote from the book, it's all up front and there's nowhere to hide. So you're forced to see my backside. (laughs) And, And this is like two and a half dozen stories where you are revealing everything about yourself. It's like, I'm here naked, the good, the bad, you know, this is who I am. And there was a little bit of shyness about that. Mm-hmm. And and so you, you survived our interview last January. <laughs> and this is what I wanted to ask you six months later. And, and what I think the answer is. Okay. The, the question was, are you feeling a lot more comfortable now in repeating a lot of these stories and things that happened to you because the the initial shock of of mm-hmm. different crises that you were involved with have now maybe softened with repetition okay now here's what i think the answer is <laughs> it's in an audio book <laughs> so it's not just out there in print you can actually hear it so are you feeling less shy about all your revelations from your book you know this is thank you so much for your incredibly thoughtful question um this has been an interesting experiment social experiment within the laboratory of my own being And I will say that there is something, there's um, a type of therapy called exposure therapy. This is one way of working with somebody who's who's got, let's say, a phobia of strawberries. (laughs) And it's like putting the strawberries in front of them, surrounding them with the strawberries and thinking about, and then eventually you're like bored with strawberries and then it loses some of its angst and edge. And I can say that this is this is the case. I mean, it's I didn't know that six months later, after the release of the print version of the book, that I would be able to sit here with you today and and tell you this. I didn't know. I mean, I could be in just like a state of absolute trauma because I revealed so many of my of my secrets and my shadows in in this book. But I I didn't just share them like, here's my shadows, blah. I shared about how they taught me something valuable and ultimately how I wouldn't, if given the choice, I wouldn't live without those things. I would not change a single thing. One thing I'm grateful for is I I thought that it might weed out a lot of people. I thought I might be left standing with a couple friends, maybe you guys, Dana, who is sworn to love me by oath and and maybe a couple others, but I'm, I'm delighted to say that I, I knock on wood. Maybe when we talk again in six months, I'll have a different story to tell. I hope not, but I've had, it's been nothing but positive. I have at least the people that have a negative perspective, they've kept it to themselves, but mostly the response has been, thank you for revealing yourself. I had no idea. 
I feel much more sane now. And, and thank you for the tools that you shared. It seems that the overarching theme is that people tend, uh, the human, the human species that we are, we tend to learn best from stories more than platitudes. So when somebody tells a story about how they fell in the mud and broke all their bones and wanted to die, but then somehow crawled their way toward the light and eventually found a place to stand, that's more powerful than just, hey, you can do it, keep going. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I've I, I've practiced this. I feel much more free and much more open. I feel there's a lightness in me. I don't feel like I'm carrying around 10,000 pounds of shadow and so terrified that anybody's going to peek in my closet. You can Anyone can come and take a look in my closet. It's a little messy, but it's open to the public. Well, you know, and that is, is really the, the point of it. You do have a, a very particular way of taking the crises in people's lives. You, you actually have a, a, a protocol mm -hmm. uh, in the book so that for every story you end with how to put it in perspective, how to um, uh, put yourself in a, in a better place as a result of this incident. And you say, I know if it weren't for all the unfortunate situations I've lived through, you know, my good life would not be possible. And, right. and you acknowledge, you know, how good your life really is. And, and as you said, it isn't as though you are just, um, you know, vomiting crises. You, mm -hmm. you are saying, <laughs> you know, you. this is what happened. And then here <clears throat> is what how I have dealt with that in my own mind, because mm -hmm. the crises that we go through, we carry in our minds with us. That's our baggage. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's the stuff. And so if you can unpack that yeah. and, and say, all right, now let me look at it this way, then you really do have a, an opportunity to transcend those crises, leave them behind and, and be <clears throat> a, a lot lighter you know, going yes. forward into the future. And doesn't yeah. everybody want that? I yes. Mean, that's part oh. of the dream interpretation. You know, how can I go forward and be lighter in life? Exactly. Exactly. Well, to, to pay homage to dreams, I could say that dream work has helped to make me more courageous and more bold, partly because I've been I've, I've had to deal with mine and other people's nightmares for so much, so long, for years and years, because most people don't seek somebody out like me if they're having a run of super happy wish fulfillment dreams. So in getting, finding my sea legs in nightmares and, and being like the, the detective on the, on the hunt for the, the golden glimmers, even in the darkest places, I've attuned myself to find those things. And I think what we look for, we do find. And in practicing it in the realm of dream work, it's given me the ability to do that in my waking dream as well. And um, a friend of mine, Walter Berry, says that he is a badass in dreams, but he is a chicken when it comes to the, like the real life scary things. But I think at some point we become a little bit more bold because we face so many things in in the dream space. 
And one other thing, and I want to say something about Ogle, the formula that I use, but yes, I will say this just as my own little social experiment and Brene Brown has done a ton of actual experiments out there. So I think this, this collates, but um, the price we pay to, to hold on to our secrets and thus shame is not benign. I, I've had a lot of people in my life tell me that they love me. They think well of me. There, I have a lot of friends in this in this world. I'm a social person, but I didn't realize it until after this book came out that I didn't really believe them. Not not the I mean the the people that really know me. I believe their love is true, but a lot of the other people, I thought you're saying you love me based on what you see, and what you see is all the sparkle and sunshine, kind of the Barbie version of me. And who wouldn't love that? So good for you. But can you love me if you see the whole of me? And that's that was the big risk because I felt like maybe maybe fake love is better than hate or maybe I'll keep the fake love. Uh, uh, but in, in having exposed all of this, there's so many people like you two left standing. And I'm like, oh my God. It's, I feel like Sally Fields in her Academy Award speech. Huh. Like, you like me. You really like me. <laughs> and by the way, I've always, I've wondered for years whether she hates being reminded of that. It was, it was impromptu. That was spontaneous joy at recognizing so that true. her industry appreciated her. But, you know, do I have to hear about her for 30 years? <laughs> exactly. Her most famous meme of all that she did. But... Um, but to kind of address, or at least to begin the process of addressing what you talked about in the beginning, I, over all the years of dealing with so many things, and I'll just say, here's another little caveat. I tend to be a happy, optimistic person in the Enneagram. I'm a seven, which is the enthusiast. So I tend to be a happy person. And a lot of people have projected onto me. Well, that's because you've never been through anything, Kelly, easy for you to say. And I'm like, really? Have you seen my nitty gritty list? It goes on a mile. I've just, I've just practiced finding the glimmers of gold. And I, when you, when you practice it, you find them, you find these things. So yeah. anyway, I, and my ogle formula is something that I've accumulated and, and worked on and curated over mm, at least the last two and a half decades. And it's a nice, elegant way of being able to work on nightmares. We're going to go to break here in less than five minutes, but mm -hmm. why don't you take <clears throat> that time to go quickly go mm -hmm. through ogling just to give people a sense about, you know, what they can do and, and what they can find in the book yeah. and how you lay that out so well. Okay. Just the well, brief always, version, the, the, the Reader's Digest. You have the to buy Digest. the book to get the whole thing. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> ogle, which is a strange word, um, and I'm trying to use it in a transformational context to to really, if we really, really look at something, we'll tend to, we tend to see it when we're just shying away from it, then we just, we're left with just kind of, ah, we don't really, once we really look at our difficulties, we, we can find the gold. So the O is is for offense. Let yourself recognize how you are offended by a difficult situation. Somebody betrays you, somebody hurts your feelings. Give yourself permission to be offended. And in other words, be in the, oh, this hurts. 
So we give ourselves permission to be a victim when something bad has happened. Then we move, once we get that out of our system, we move to the G. The G is for what's good about this difficult thing. For example, the first story I tell in the book about being exposed um, by this reporter, very opposite ethics than Manson Mitchell, um, what's good about it is basically it was the it was the beginning of me unraveling my the things that I didn't want anybody to find out about me. Anyway, there's more to say about that, but we can look for what's good about the difficult things is we they didn't kill us, they make us stronger, they give us more compassion, empathy, and maybe at least we're not like that. We're not the people that would do those things. The L is for the looking glass. In other words, the mirror. And this is this is what we do in a dream in a wake, in waking life. We ask ourselves, how am I like this person that was so awful? This thing, this creature that did this horrible thing. Is there any part of me that's at all like that? Even if it's just a tiny, tiny little grain. Um, or how might I be like that if I walk twenty miles in that person's moccasins? And often we can we we have to say yes. There's always some little part of us. I think the whole. The hologram of the universe is within us. And then once we've done that, we've calmed down, the alchemy really starts to kick in. Then we move to the E for elevate. Now that we have this information, we have, we're at a choice point. What do I do with this? How can I use this to become a slightly better version of myself, a more elevated version of myself? What step will I take? What action will I take? What internal shift will I allow myself to, to anchor in order to be a better version of myself as a result of having gone through this difficulty. And that presupposes, in your case, successfully, I'm happy to say, but it presupposes a willingness Correct. to learn things, see things, accept things, but not to leave them or yourself in place. Yeah. You have to be willing to say, okay, that didn't work. And if I have nothing more to rely on than trial and error, maybe that's good enough if it gets me where I want to be. We we have to know that life does make us bitter or better. And the choice is ours. If we just let it ruminate and we just declare, nope, life sucks because this happened. It sucks. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. Well, then welcome to bitterness. And, there's, and that is a slippery slope. And it's easy to go there. I have... I've been bitter myself. I understand it. And yet it's a choice to flip that around and to know that if we alchemize it, we can be the alchemists of our challenges, of our difficulties. And one of the things I talk about in the introduction is post-traumatic growth. Everybody's heard of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, but there's PTG and there's clinical evidence that people, half the people that go through difficult things on the other side of it become a smarter, more compassionate, wiser, better version of themselves because of what they learned through their challenges. We always want to learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and take a break. We're talking with Kelly Sullivan Walden, good friend of the show, good friend of ours, one of those wonderful people that we have we yet to meet. Yet to meet, though we see her on Zoom. We meet up every now and again, perhaps sometime for dinner. I know, just bring out your uh, your TV dinner and we'll have the same thing and we'll just sit there and <laughs> it on zoom and say we uh <laughs> we our dinner. favorite restaurant dinner drinks yeah the whole thing we could put a zoom background we could be anywhere <laughs> like we'll meet that. the taj mahal <laughs> a crisis is a terrible thing to waste the art of transforming the tragic into magic that is her latest book now out as an audio book 
Kelly Sullivan Walden returns with us on the other side of this short break. Thanks for listening. Please stay tuned. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Nicole Strickland to discuss her latest book, The Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life, death, and beyond. On Saturday, Sam Moranto, UFO investigator, returns with the latest disclosures being released by U.S. government officials who say, yes, we are not alone and we have the evidence. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Kelly Sullivan Walden, a good friend of ours who we've never met in person and we still have that to look forward to. Kelly, if people would like to connect with you, I want to make sure that we give out um, your websites and all that good stuff. I said in the intro that you are you have 10 books. And so I wanted to make sure that I was giving out your book information. I had the strangest dream. It's all in your dreams. Dreaming Heaven, The Love, Sex, and Relationship Dictionary, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable, luminous humanness and a crisis is a terrible thing to waste you also have six oracle decks hero's journey dream oracle dream oracle cards dream goddess empowerment deck awakened dreamer oracle cards luminous humanness oracle and dia de los muertos oracle and so i want to make sure we get that out but please uh, let our listeners know if they would like to find out more about you, what you're doing, where you are, how they can connect with you. What are all the ways they can do that? Oh, thank you so much. Wow, you guys are so generous. Okay, so my website is kellysullivanwalden.com. 
And you can also find me by going to IHadTheStrangestDream.com. And if you sign up there, you get my weekly-ish newsletter. And you also get my Ogle Formula Worksheet, as well as a Jet Set Dream Interpretation Formula Worksheet. So that's a free gift you get from me on my website. If you're interested in doing my brand of dream work and learning how to integrate that into your career or for your own personal purposes, go to kellysullivanwalden.com forward slash dream work. And I've been pretty active these days on social media. Facebook is Kelly Sullivan Walden Dreams. Instagram and Twitter is Kelly S. Walden. And I kind of screwed up with my Twitter, my TikTok name. It's Kelly Sullivan Wald. I ran out of letters and I was in a hurry. So I just left it there. (laughs) 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 But I have a weekly show on Mind, Body, Spirit Radio. It's called the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show. And if you're going to be in France or in Italy in the next couple of months, I'm going to be they're doing some workshops and some talks about the book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, and some dream workshops and things like that. Maybe I'll do something in Seattle or in Florida one of these days soon, but mostly oh, that that's what's great. going on. That would be great. In the uh, dreams are part of the metaphysical world in the sense that they are not physical. Can't touch them, smell them, taste them. Yet, and just I wait have, till technology advances. I've been um, developing some of my own thoughts lately. Ooh. Yes. Uh, and one is about dreams, and I wanted to throw it out at you and see what you think about this thought that I've had. Yeah. I think that in dreaming, for all those except people who have a, a, a physical problem, your body is quiet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people that walk and talk while while they're mm-hmm. asleep. But for most yeah. people, the body shuts down. Mm-hmm. And I'm theorizing that our souls actually leave the body to travel to other oh. dimensions so that in our dream world where there is no linear time or mm-hmm. place... We can hop around from city to city, place to place, person to person in microseconds. And we think about our dreams as the ones that have the stories. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. But so many of our dreams are fragments of things. And I now am thinking that our our soul is wide awake, not sleeping, our body mm-hmm. is sleeping and our soul is wide awake and going places. What do you think of my theory? Yes. Next question. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a very astute observation. I One of the stories I tell in A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste is when I have my mini death experience. And it's... Um, one of the one of the things I think about meditate on often because it was so profound and I left my body and went into a realm of light and wisdom and answers and clarity and when I when I finally came back into my body and I tell the story in much more dramatic flair in the book <laughs> but one thing I thought immediately after coming back into my body was oh this is the same as dreaming 
This is exactly the same as dreaming. While our physical body is left on the human plane, our spirit, our soul, our non-physical, non-local, non-temporal aspect has a party and it can go anywhere. It can go nearby. It can hover right around the ordinary mundane things and that's valid, but it can also kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk. It can go way, 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 way up. It can go way beyond it. I mean, there's so, there's so many things we can do in a dream state that we can't necessarily do when we're awake. Although the goal I think is to be able to bridge the gap at some point. That's, that's the whole point of our spiritual work is to be able to access that same functionality that we can do in profound states of meditation or when we have an NDE or out of body experiences to be able to be to recognize that we're not just a body with a soul, but we're a soul and our bodies like a tiny little speck within that soul. So I completely agree. We do travel and we do get access to wisdom and healing and information. And we can connect with departed loved ones and avatars, Jesus, Krishna, Buddha. I mean, we have access to all of them. And if somebody is listening to this saying, well, I only have very boring work related dreams. I would say you can do a dream incubation. This is one of the things I teach in Dream of Festing, which is another offering on my website. It's a little workshop that that I've packaged electronically, but you can kind of program what it is you'd like to dream about and put in your vote for where you'd like to go and who you'd like to hang out with and what answers you would like to connect with because it is the sky isn't even the limit in our dreams. It's a great observation, Suzanne. Amen to that. Thank you. Thank you. That came to me in the last uh, few months. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm working on another theory that I, I, I hate to be too premature about, but I'll just say it has to do with the evolvement of the human species to be able to access other realms. Like that's where we're moving to. Oh, that's, that is the point. I mean, if you, that's, um, this might seem kind of, kind of base, but, um, you all like movies and movie references and, um, I don't know if we've talked about how, how significant the movie phenomenon was to me, that movie that John Travolta starred in way back in the nineties. I love that movie. We saw it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what he represents. I saw the movie recently because I talk about it so much. I'm like, I need to watch that again and see if it still stands up. And it does, but it's basically an average Joe who sort of gets struck by, we'll just say some kind of lightning and he develops access to his whole brain, his whole mental capacity. And to me, that's I get chills every time I think about it because I think that's where we're headed. Right now, we think we're so smart and we really are, we probably know about 1% of what's knowable. And there and most most of what is out there is in shadow, meaning it's just not, we don't even know what we don't know. But what if we could, I think our dreams, our dreams give us access to more of that wisdom then we have easy access to in our waking life. And every time we remember even one little speck of a dream, I think it it strengthens the bridge between the left side, the right side, the higher self, the lower self, the human, the divine, and we're strengthening the bridge. So I think the work in, in evolving our consciousness 
is in strengthening the bridge so that we can always come back home. <clears throat> we don't want to just have an OBE, an out-of-body experience, and just take off like a balloon and like, oops, we're untethered. We want to be able to come back. We want to keep at least a pinky toe on this ground where we are. So the bridge is where it's at. And I think that's why I'm passionate about dreams, not just for the intellectual activity of it, but because of the work in bridging all these different gaps that dreams give us the opportunity to do. Wow. Well said. I'm just curious enough to ask you, Kelly. Yes, Gary. And I do this in light of something that maybe other people would be terrified to experience. Mia, it would be wonderful to have a moment like that. But mm. the other night, Taylor Swift was in town in Seattle mm. and mm. playing to a, a packed stadium in her case. Mm -hmm. the It was such a rocking event that it registered on the University of Washington's seismic graph. They have a seismology what? lab there. And what? people were having such a good time that the <clears throat> rumblings could be measured on the seismograph. And I'm wow. thinking... Fill up a football stadium. You got the seismograph jumping. This is pretty good stuff. I, I think anyone would rate as a success. Of course, I'm never going to see anything close to that. I doubt any of us will. However, I'm curious to know, Kelly, when you think of all the public appearances you've made and the crowds you've addressed, what stands out as your, your singular experience of being welcomed with joy and enthusiasm by a group of people who take you and what you do that seriously oh my goodness wow <clears throat> thank you i mean you. you're on your way to italy i am i am oh my goodness you know i don't know if this is if this is exactly it but i do have i do have a very special memory of being on the dr oz show the, for the second time and the audience all they were all given copies of my book it was i was then promoting chicken soup for the soul dreams and the unexplainable and i was with the publisher amy newmark um who's the new new publisher of chicken soup for the soul she's been probably it's been over 15 years um <clears throat> but she and i were leaving and we were stepping out of the big studio i think it was fox studios and into a limousine that was waiting for us and before i could get in there was a bunch of the people that had been in the audience with their books and they were like there she is and so i felt like the beatles for a minute <laughs> like ah i was surrounded by this mob of people in new york city with a limo right there waiting to take me away and the whole time i was like amy are you getting a picture of this no she didn't so it's a picture in my <laughs> mind but i stood there and i signed every every book that every i mean i i was i don't know how long i was there for but it was an exciting moment i wish i could teleport back to my my earlier self that was so awkward and nervous and insecure and clueless like this is going to be something you get to look forward to. So that's one thing that that pops into my brain. Thank Thanks you for, for asking. Sharing Nobody's that. ever asked me that. <laughs> and, you know, I learned a long time ago, and I should practice this more often, mm. in radio or any form of mass communications, it's, it's a good thing to ask an interview guest the kinds mm. of questions they most love to answer. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of these gotcha questions. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. 
exactly yeah. uh, or asking it in an embarrassing way i mean let people have mm -hmm. fun and you're gonna you're going to elicit the kinds of responses that make you feel good as the guest but also inspire other people to succeed and reach out for those moments of joy in their own lives mm. yeah i think it's and it's interesting because it's hard to pull them up you know but i think once we find one then the others start to start to accumulate it's the memory consolidation kind of thing that we we talked about earlier um and there's also an interesting phenomenon about the memory deletion and how important that is i have kind of an embarrassing story to tell you about how valuable that process is if there's time for that later but. uh there's time now if you <laughs> want to tell it <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's got no inspirational value at all but i'll just say i i took a group of people to costa rica recently and um, for a dream retreat and we came back and on my way back we stopped in Mexico and we had and I didn't sleep for probably at least two nights so I mean maybe one hour of sleep but I didn't get a full night's sleep one of the things we do when we sleep is we consolidate memories and we also delete what we don't need for example if you parked if you went to the grocery store a couple days ago and you parked in aisle whatever you've you had a particular parking spot that data isn't relevant to you today you don't need it there's no value in it so it gets tucked away washed away whatever you were doing if you were out of town you don't need any of that stuff so it's important to sleep it's important to dream so by the time i came home from costa rica from all from these nights of no sleeping of deleting no deleting of data i woke up in the night to use the ladies room to tinkle but in my mind i was still in costa rica because i hadn't slept since i'd been there so i was in the dark i had my little eye mask over and i was walking to the bathroom but i was still in costa rica i was in the jungle in costa rica and i was and I was imagining I was about to fall off a cliff in Costa Rica. And I'm like, where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? So I just outside the, like next to the bed, I just, I didn't, I peed right on the floor because <laughs> I was so afraid of falling off the cliff. And oh <laughs> as gosh. I was finding my way back to bed, I, t I hit Dana's foot and Dana woke up and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, Dana, what are you doing here in Costa Rica? You weren't with me. And then he jumps out of bed what's all this water on the ground i mean it was this it was like oh my god that's not water <laughs> but it this this taught me because i hadn't had any memory deletion i was still where i was in my mind my brain hadn't had a chance to catch up so <laughs> all wow. the more reason sleep wow. and dreams are important so we don't Very. i didn't pee the bed it was yeah. uh, the, the floor on the side of the bed <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, okay. Kelly, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> I don't Nikki? know. Oh. We have to sleep. It's so important. If we don't sleep, we don't dream. And we sleep right. in order to dream so that we can reach those high places and do those very mundane things. We, yes, we must do yes. all of it. The, your book, A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, it veers so tremendously from what you have done in the past with regard to your dream book. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if um, these months later, and yeah. I'm, I still hope you're promoting this book for a really long time because it, it's really that good. But um, do you think that you will 
uh, stay with crisis management mm. or something similar, be, or are you going to go back to dream work again? Because that's how we have known you for all these years and all yeah. the books that we have about you. So what what is your thinking about the future? Oh for my yourself? goodness. Thank you for this question. And you are reading my mind because I've got a few other books in my hopper. I've got other dream books. I've been I, I teach about dream festing and people have said, oh, can we get that book? And oh, that book doesn't exist yet. So I need to write that book. And there's a couple other kind of dream related books. And then I've got a bunch of other stories. After I wrote A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste, I started remembering all the other stories that I forgot about that didn't fit in this book. So I'm kind of compiling another book that could be along kind of the part two of this that I think dreams will always be a weave in everything I do. There's dreams are in a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. There's a number of stories that are absolutely dream focused, or at least there's dreams that wrap around them. But I have um, a writing coach of mine who said, if somebody else could write it, let them write the thing that only you can. And with that in mind, I'm I'm not interested in writing the things that 25,000 other dream expert types can write. So I'm really, I am leaning on what is my edge? What is the thing that only I can write? And there's not that many things. I mean, really with AI out there and with so many people, so many experts, we, there's not that much, but so I'm really wanting to stay in the, what I call the narrow of the marrow. I feel like that's where, so I'm not sure what the next book will be. I mean, I've, I've got a few that I'm kind of tossing with. So we'll see. I'll, you'll be among the very, very first to know what All that right. will be. But All thank right. you for that. What do you think? What would you like to see? If what you had your, like if it was see, your dream. Yeah. What What would I like to see you do? Yeah. Um, well, I was hoping that you weren't going to veer too far from dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the, uh, the dream doctor. Mm-hmm um handle and and i think that you know what you've done with dreaming has been very beneficial to people so um while while i think your book about crisis is phenomenal i i wouldn't want to see you abandon the dream Mm -hmm. idea to go off in in another direction and that, that was what my thought was and and hence the question Oh, I so appreciate that feedback. Yeah, that it's it's a valuable it's a valuable realm that I that I have created. Like there's I haven't created it, it's been co-created of this brand. And I and I even when I try to get rid of dreams, they don't get rid of me. They keep it's like, yeah. okay, haven't I said everything there is to say? I'm done with dreams and then wallop, they come right back and and I and I can't help but be passionate about dreams. So and I appreciate your feedback. So I don't think you've seen the last dream book out of me Good. yet. Good. Do you I don't think I'm time, now the crisis lady. <laughs> do you take time every morning to jot down your dreams? Do you have a pretty active dream journal? I do. I do. Okay. Um, almost every morning. There's some exceptions where something wakes me up that, that just like anybody, the dreams just kind of vanish in the haze. But nine... 99% of the time I wake up and I, that's the very first thing I do is journal. And I honestly just do it on a, I used to have all these fancy dream apps only to find out, I may have told you all that 
you know, as most apps do, if it's a free app, especially they, they use that information. <laughs> like, oh. I had a dream about Lady Gaga that ended up being like, first you would Google Lady Gaga and my dream showed up. I thought, okay, oh, wow. no more public dream apps for me. So I just <laughs> put them in the, in the note section on my, on my phone for my eyes only hopefully, until I feel comfortable sharing them with the public. As much as I'm an open book, I don't necessarily want everybody in real time knowing everything I'm dreaming about. Not that I'm ashamed of it, but some things you got to have a sacred. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're personal. They're personal. Yes. Yes. And I hope everybody does this. If we don't pay attention to dreams, write them down immediately, then they will they will disappear. As we have all discovered, there we just have a couple of minutes left. Off the wall question for you, Kelly. What is the most enjoyable celebrity encounter you've ever had? You're walked into a supermarket or maybe you're on a plane with somebody and uh, you, oh. you get a chance, as I did with Martin Sheen many, many years ago in the 80s. Uh, I was riding on an airplane with and We were all riding coach and Martin Sheen walks past me as, as we were deplaning. And I said, I like your work. And he turned around and he said, thank you. And then just kept going. Oh, that's great. Isn't it great? I mean, just to be there with the celebrity, someone you admire, and there you are in the same space. I I had a great Nicki Minaj. I don't know if you know who she is, rapper. um, A great Nicki Minaj dream that manifested. Oh, my God. So that's one. But I would say, but I didn't get to really interact with her. But I did when I was in my early acting days when I was about 19, I was in a student film from UCLA film and that was directed by Suzanne Summers' son, Bruce. And Suzanne Summers came to the screening and and she came up to me and she was teeny wearing high heels and she was half my size. And she said, you were so funny. And I'm like, I could die now. Oh my God. I wanted to be you when I was a little girl. <laughs> so that was, that was definitely a moment to savor. I don't know if it's the moment, but it's the one that popped in. <laughs> and did you tell her about your dream? Oh, no, that was no, Nicki that Minaj. Nicki Minaj was the one I had the dream about. I hadn't dreamt about Suzanne Summers. That was totally separate. Nicki Minaj. That that'll be another, maybe on the next time I'm on the show, I'll, share with you about the Nicki Minaj dream that that maybe that'll end up in a book somewhere. I think okay. it will actually. Very good. I, yeah, I'd like to tell, prompt that. I'll tell it here and have somebody steal it and write it. So <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll it's in print. Yes, exactly. Kelly, we just love having you on. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. It, it lifts our spirits to, uh, to be with you and talk with you about dreams and your book and, and all that good stuff. So I appreciate you Suzanne and Gary, you two are so special to me. I don't think words can words can properly convey. It's been an honor to be on your show 27 times. And I hope that we reach 27,000 times. I'd like to do it every day if I could. You do? Okay, maybe not. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But Nathan, you are also an awesome, awesome dude. I appreciate you. This is just one big happy family. Can't wait to do it again. I love you guys so much. Yeah. Likewise to all of the above. Thanks everybody for listening. Got a scoop. Glad you joined us today. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Here's what's coming up next week on Manson Mitchell. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Nicole Strickland to discuss her latest book, The Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life 
death and beyond. On Saturday, Sam Moranto, UFO investigator, returns with the latest disclosures being released by U.S. government officials who say, yes, we are not alone and we have the evidence. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150.